2,000 years ago in that perfect time as a part of God's plan, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, came for us. Again, what, what greater reason does worship exist? And I would say none. When we read the Christmas story last night, to me we see worship wrapped all around it. See service and sacrifice. Mary, she was surrendered to God's will. Um, she was worshiping God, treasuring the things that uh, the, the shepherds told her. They were singing, they were sharing. Again, all these things surrounding the, uh, the Christmas story. And I want to read that, just a little bit of it, uh, again in Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. And when he had considered this, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, uh, Herod the king, the Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have, have come to worship him. Luke chapter 2, it says, When they had seen this, this is the, uh, uh, the shepherds, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had, uh, had heard and seen, just as had been told them. And when eight days had passed before, the, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, consecrated. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two pigeons, two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of the salvation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. When he had came, into the spirit, came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry, carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God, praised God. And said, Now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to, to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then as a widow, 
to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak to him of all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Why is it so vital for us to remember that Christmas is worship? Why is it so important to remember that? Well, we have to understand again what worship is. Worship is homage. Worship is sacrifice. Worship is service. Worship is reverence. And worship is not allocated to a specific time or a specific place alone. The first thing I, I want to talk about this morning about worship is this, that the nature of God demands it. The nature of God demands our worship. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. They're, they're, all of creation is shouting praise to God. Uh, I've, I've shared this many times before. When you drive down the road, we were, we were just, um, I can't remember where Rochelle and I were. Maybe we were walking or, or, or driving. I think we were driving. And uh, she said, wow, look at the sky. And again, it's just captivating. You look at the beauty of the sky. You look at uh, a newborn baby. You look at just creation, and it causes your heart to worship. All of creation declares the, the, the praises of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, You shall fear, the, fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. Another version of that says this, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him shall you serve, and by his name you shall swear. You see how serve and worship are intertwined. Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus answered him. This is when he was being tempted by Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see it again, intertwined, worship and serve. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. For you shall not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Again, I, I am so thankful that we are gathered here this morning. And I know that there are other people doing different things, and I'm not here to criticize anybody, but I, I love the fact that the church for, for millennia has set aside Sunday as the day of worship. The first day of the week, it was the day that the disciples ran and saw the empty tomb. The first day of the week was, again, from the beginning, a day of worship to the Lord, to, to, to God, to to, to the, one who's only, the only one who's worthy of worship. And for centuries, this day, Christmas Day, has been delegated as a day to celebrate the incarnation. And so the fact that these two days meet uh, is, is amazing. We were talking about it. We were trying to figure out, um, I think it was 2005, 2011, 2016, I think. And then now... And then it's not going to happen again until 2033. But we know Christmas Day is not necessarily the day that Jesus was born. But it's the day that we celebrate it. It's the day that we worship God because he is worthy of worship. Again, I said that those two words, worship and serve, are intertwined because all throughout Scripture, that's how they're defined. That's exactly how there's a correlation between the two. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 12, in the New Testament, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, and listen to what it says, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We think about worship and we think about, again, what is it? So if it's, it's service and it's, and it, is it singing? Yes, it's singing. Is it, is it praying? Yes, it's praying. Is it giving? Yes, it's giving. Is it sacrifice? Yes, it's giving. It's all those things. But in worship, there's an exchange or there's supposed to be an exchange that goes on. A transaction. You see, when we worship the Lord, we understand that worship is costly. But while it's costly, it's enriching at the same time. If you have ever poured out your heart in God and worship, you know exactly what that means. It, you, you feel like you have emptied yourself at the same time God is filling your cup. Worship is costly and enriching. It's sacrificial and profitable at the same time. I will say this, if our worship isn't costing us anything, is it worship? Again, we see in, in Scripture, because I, I, would, I would argue that I don't know that it is. I would say that if, if what we call worship is more of us going through the motions, that I don't think that we can call it worship. We can sit in a worship service, and we can mouth words from a screen, and we can listen to words spoken from a pulpit, but if we, if we are not sacrificing, if it's not costing us, and the third thing, if, if worship is emptying and filling, filling at the same time. If we're not emptying ourselves, how do I empty myself? We lay ourselves out. We open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We allow the Word of God to, to penetrate and to permeate every area of our life. And we respond even if it costs us something. I would say especially if it costs us something. What God does in this exchange is, is turn right around. And maybe we say, you know what, there's something in my life I, I need to give up because of what the Word of God says. Or maybe in a worship song, we're singing something that, that the Holy Spirit uses to grip your heart and say, you know what, my mind's not where it's supposed to be. My heart's not where it's supposed to be. And in that moment, we, we empty ourselves or we, we sacrifice something in that moment. But that's what worship is. I think much of what we see about worship in Scripture not only involves service, but it also involves sacrifice. The entire sacrificial system of the Old Testament was about worshiping God. That's what it was about. The, from from the, the offerings outside to the blood being sprinkled on the mercy seat, everything was about worshiping God. I would say even and especially the sin sacrifices. That's why the sacrifice of Jesus was such a beautiful picture of what worship is. He was the bullseye of what all the Old Testament sacrifice pointed to. What an amazing, beautiful picture of worship. Beautiful and terrible at the same time. Jesus Christ, Almighty God, clothed in human flesh, hanging bloody on a cross, paying for sins he never committed but satisfying the debt that we all owed. What an amazing act of sacrifice and worship. The second thing is this, the natural inclination of our flesh detracts from it. And not only does the, de the nature of God demand our worship just by the fact that he is God and, and of course what he did for us. I mean, he, he deserves every bit of worship, not just, not just praise from our lips in a song, not just... Um, uh, attending a, a service where, where his word is preached, but every aspect of our life, living 
acts of service, living service, uh, 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 spiritual service of worship. That's what our life is supposed to look like. So yes, when we gather in this place, our voices should be lifted, but our hearts should be ready, our ears should be open, every aspect of our lives ready and poured out, emptied ourselves, ready for the Lord to do a work in us. But that should be what it looks like every day on an individual basis. And then when we gather together, it should, it should look beautiful. It should be the church, the bride of Christ, poured out for him, ready for him to fill us back up. I have to ask you the question, is that how you entered into this morning's worship service? Ready to pour yourself out for the king. Ready to offer your all at his feet. We took the Lord's Supper at the beginning to remind us of that beautiful picture, that beautiful and terrible picture of our Lord, bloodied, torn apart for us. And our natural inclination in our flesh wants to pull us away from that. Our, our, the, 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 the natural flesh doesn't want to sacrifice. The, 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 the natural man doesn't want to, to serve and to, to give up our time and, and to, to, to think about other people first. The, our flesh doesn't want to do that. Every single one of our flesh wants to think about ourselves first. All of us in this room, our flesh wants to think about what, what works best for us. We don't want to think first about the Lord. Our flesh doesn't. Our flesh doesn't want to think about putting other people first. And so the natural inclination of our flesh detracts from the worship that God deserves. But it doesn't mean that our flesh isn't prone to worship. I believe our flesh is absolutely prone to worship. Some people, I think, say things like this. Well, I have an addictive personality. And it can be, I think it can be channeled in different ways. Right? It can be a, a, a very negative thing. And I think it, it, can, it can be a positive thing in some ways. But I think that, that also what it is is a play off of the weakness of our flesh. The flesh leans toward pleasing itself. That's why idolatry is so easy to slip into. And I want to challenge you this morning. We live in a world that is trying to foster idolatry of everything, even ideas. Right? We, we, we're living in a time, and, and I want to say something, and, and it's not popular in our culture, but it's, it's what God's Word says. We live in a day and time where man is so idolizing man, and man is so worshiping man, that man is trying to redefine what God has already created and said is to be. And some people say, well, yeah, but it, I, I just, I think it's just uh, people's ignorance. And I think that it's just people, you know, they, they're, they're, they're trying to say that you can, uh, you know, that a male can, can birth a, a, a human being. And they want to change the fact that uh, uh, we're not going to define a woman as a female or, or whatever the case may be. Listen. You know what that is? Some of you say, well, that's just ignorance. That's just people, you know, they're, they're just sinners and, and, and all the, the transgender stuff and, and the homosexuality and, and, and all of that stuff. You know what it's doing? It's trying to erase what God has already declared. And, and the, the heart of that, the heart of it is this. Man is the center. Man gets to define who he is, who she is, or who they are, or whatever the, 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 the terminology is, 
And that's the whole point of it, is to push God out so that God is not the center, to push God's word out, to push God completely out of the picture, to where God is not the one being worshipped, but man is. Idolatry is so easy to slip into. And again, for Christians, it's us. We read God's word, and we say from the beginning, he said there's male and female, and those two are supposed to come together and be fruitful and multiply to bring glory to God. And so when you read those articles, you look on that social media, or you hear the news and you say, well, this is happening. And this, Or maybe you know somebody or you work with somebody and, and, and they're trying to redefine things. It's not anything but trying to completely remove God and the worship of God. And it's, it feels like it's going light speed. It feels like we're running light speed at that. And I, I want to tell you, we need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for one another that we would hold to the truth. And I think that if we have the right perspective on all of this, that it's the nature of the flesh, it's the sinful nature of the flesh to want to idolize and self-worship, then we can have a better perspective on how to maybe reach and minister to people in our culture today. But let's not kid ourselves. You and I have to daily die to ourselves. You and I have to daily keep our flesh in check. We have to daily mortify the members, the elements, the, the aspects of our own flesh. Why? Because you and I, even as the children of God, can easily slip into self-worship too. We can easily make it all about us. Even sitting in a church service, it can be about our preferences. It can be about what we want. It can be about what's going on for us in our life. Instead of all about Jesus Christ. That's why when, when, when some people were saying we're not going to meet and worship on Sunday, well, whether Christmas on Sunday, fell on Sunday or not, like, this is the day in a typical world, in any other week, that we come together and worship. Because it's about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And worship is costly. Worship is sacrificial. Worship is about emptying ourselves of us. Self-worship is so easy to embrace. You say, what does self-worship kind of look like? What, what does that mean? You say self-worship. Well, self-worship, I believe, is making a standard of worship based on your personal preference. Some people say things like this. Well, I can worship at home just as much as I can worship at church. Some people say, I can worship on the lake just like I can worship in church. Some people say, I can worship. I don't have to be there and worship. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. The conscience of every person it knows that there is God. That's why some vehemently try to deny God. That's why some worship other things. is because they know there is God. And, and again, whether they want to admit it or not, they are going to go after something and worship something or someone. That's why it's our job as the church to point them to the one they're supposed to be worshiping, and that's Jesus Christ. But it's evident within them, they're conscious, for God's made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and in their foolish heart, their foolish heart was darkened. 
professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image uh, in the form of corruptible man, of birds and of four-footed animals and of crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Again, if this doesn't sound like the world we're living in right now, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Again, this is him talking about the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system. But he, having offered one sacrifice, Jesus, one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on, upon their heart, and in their mind I will write them. He then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus doesn't have to keep dying, just as those, sac those, those priests had to go in continually offering those same sacrifices that can never take away sin. Jesus died once and for all. Therefore, in light of these truths, brethren, since we have confidence, we have access, we have boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near, listen to what he says, since Jesus has made a way for us to have intimate access to the throne of God, since this is the, the thing that he has done for us, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to simulate one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You remember what the children of Israel waiting for Moses were doing? You remember what they were doing? They were making idols for themselves again. They weren't remembering what God had done in their deliverance. That they, they quickly, in just a short amount of time, made their lives, even though God had miraculously delivered them. He had redeemed them, brought them out of captivity. The same thing that we've done if we're in Christ. And quickly they started making it about themselves again. We need something to worship. Remember the story was such a humorous story to me. Right? Moses goes up, doesn't come down, Aaron's in charge. Moses comes back down, and what happens? There's a golden calf. They're worshiping a golden calf. And Moses is like, what? what? What in the world? Aaron's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Bruh? Well, today, right? That's what he would say. <laughs> they, they gave me their gold, put it in the fire, and then the calf came out. <laughs> Just worked like magic. I don't know. There's, there's the calf, and they've been worshiping ever since. But anyways, there's a, there's a weird thing that goes on there because they were they were missing the point of worshiping god they began to worship themselves again instead of worshiping a calf it was about them though 
That's what they needed. Colossians 3. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, your flesh, the natural inclinations that you have, consider them dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So what does it look like for us today? Or what should it look like for us today? I believe it should look similar to when he came. I believe our worship all year long, but especially at Christmas time, should be faithful and elaborate. The shepherds couldn't contain themselves. The, 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 the magi traveled far with expensive gifts. Our worship today, I believe, should be increasing more and more and more. Our, our service, our, our, our praise, our joy, our faithfulness should, should increase more and more because the Bible says that should be happening and we should encourage one another, encourage one another to do that the closer we get to his return. And so we have to be counter-cultural. You and I as the people of God, even, and I'm going to put it in air quotes, in Christian culture, we've got to be the ones dedicated to worshiping the one who's worthy of worship and teaching our kids there is one worthy of worship. There is not a gift worthy of worship. There is not a day worthy of worship. There's not a person, including ourselves, worthy of worship. Jesus Christ is the only one worthy of our worship. And you and I on a daily basis have to fight the natural inclination of our flesh to want to worship ourselves or to worship a thing, to worship an idea. We've got to fight against it. The Savior, the opportunity to worship him. What did it look like and what did it do? Well, back then, I've already said, it drew Oriental scientists from the East to travel and give expensive treasure to him. It caused a, a virgin girl to surrender her life and her dreams, her reputation, to serve at the pleasure of her God. It prompted a young man to risk his life, to risk his reputation as well, to risk his honor and his family's name to honor the Lord. It moved an old woman and an old man with such anticipation that they couldn't leave this world until they met him and worshipped him. It stirred a heavenly host, a heavenly army, to fill a hillside with elaborate praise. And it spurred a group of shepherds to run, to meet Christ, and then to go and to declare the good news. My prayer is that our worship today looks like that. That we would be the same, not just, not just on Christmas, but every, every day. 
But I would say especially on this day. We set it aside. Let's remember it set aside for Christ's worship. May we sacrifice. May we give. May we attend not just this day, but faithfully. May we surrender our life and our dreams to serve at his pleasure. May we, like them, be willing to risk even our reputation, maybe even our career, to honor the king. May we live, even if it's our last days, with such anticipation to worship Christ. I have to stop and say something right there. We've had so many saints in our, in our church, and we have some now, that with the last fiber that they had, the energy they had, the strength they had in their earthly bodies, they were worshiping the king of kings. We've had people rolled in here in wheelchairs. We've had people carried in here and sat on pews. We've had people barely be able to walk in here. And with their last ounce of effort, want to give it to the Lord in praise. May every single one of us do that even while we have health. May we be stirred like a heavenly army, resonating through valleys and hills the praises of the Lord. May our lives be living sacrifices, which is our spiritual service of worship. And may that look like us, like the shepherds, running to tell the world about Jesus, to proclaim the gospel in a world that's desperately in need of it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do in our lives. In this day, we've set aside to celebrate the incarnation. Lord, we've got a lot of kids in here, a lot of teens. and Lord, I, I know there's an excitement. We, we live in, in a temporal world, and, and there's, there's, there's an excitement. There are, there are blessings that we have in the temporal realm, and we don't want to detract from them. They're, they're great blessings. But I, I pray that our kids, that our teens, that every adult in this building that has a relationship with you would never count anything more important, whether it's Christmas or any day, more important than you. God, that our lives would be a life of worship. God, that we would, we would, our lives would look like those people that we talked about this morning. Be willing to risk and serve and give and go and, and, and do and praise because you are the one worthy of it. Lord, help us remember that Christmas is worship. Lord, help us take that with us not only today, but through the rest of this year and even going into 2023. Lord, I, I know there may be some in here this morning that they don't have that relationship with you. There's never been a time in their life where they've surrendered their life to you. They've never confessed their sins to you. They've never repented of those sins and surrendered to you in faith. God, I pray if there's someone here like that, that they would come during this invitation and grab somebody here on the front row and say, I want to make sure that I'm saved. I want to make sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I've never given my life to Christ, and I want to do that today. Lord, I pray that you'd move like that, move in the hearts of your people. May we even respond in this invitation in a way that gives you worship and gives you honor. And we'll praise you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as we sing.